1: Welcome to episode three of the 1871 podcast with Dylan Kerr, Johnny Hunt and me, Mark Roach. And I'd like to dedicate this episode to my dad, Brian Roach, who sadly passed away on Sunday. My dad was a Reading FC director in the 1980s and he helped chairman Roger Smee block the proposed merger with Oxford United. And Roger appointed him as a director of the club by way of a thank you to him. And my dad was agent for former Royals Kerry Dixon and Steve Wood, and also represented Stuart Lovell and other players he was agent for, included Lee Dixon, David Speedy and Brian Marwood. And he was a regular in the press area at the Medeski Stadium until a couple of years ago. And my dad was very well known for his particular sense of humour. And to give you an example, one of his favourite jokes was, what do you call a baguette in a cage, bred in captivity? So there you go, that's a a (laughs) typical joke for my dad there that he likes. So uh, this one's for you, dad. And my dad would be absolutely delighted that we've got a Royals legend from his time as a director as a guest on the show tonight, and so am I. Our special guest tonight was an Elm Park goal-scoring machine and a legend among legends. And he's a thoroughly nice chap as well. So it's my great pleasure and honour to introduce the one and only Trevor Senior. Welcome to the show, Trevor.
2: Thanks very much, good evening. Uh, First, firstly, firstly, i just send on my condolences uh, with regards to your dad, some great, great man. And we had some good times together. And as you say, with his sense of humour, I've got a bit of a bad sense of humour as well. So I uh, can relate to that. So yeah, uh, thoughts are with you anyway. All right, thank
1: you, Trevor. I appreciate that. and. Um, And just for for the listeners as well, um, you know, obviously dedicating this episode to my dad, but we've got some very exciting news for you. Uh, We're moving to two shows a week this week. uh, And that's starting on on Friday with our second show this week at 6.30pm with Adam LaFondra as our special guest. And then on um, our Tuesday episode next week, somebody that you'll remember, Trevor, very well. Another record-breaking Royal as our special guest, Kevin Bremner. So that's on yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. So, Trevor, before we chat to you, we're going to have a, 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 our weekly look at the current goings-on at Reading. And after a great start for Paul Ince with, with a win, it was a 4-1 defeat for the Royals at Blackpool on Saturday. So, Johnny, six points clear of the relegation zone now. Do you think we've seen enough under Paul Ince? And considering the three teams below us and their results to suggest that Reading um, will stay up, do you think?
3: Oh, look, it, it's so hard to call. I think, you know, after the two games last week, it was looking good. And then Saturday, it was kind of back to square one almost. That's how it felt. But we just don't seem to be able to buy any luck at the minute. Um, you know, the, the new loan keeper injured himself, Dave Besant style, at home apparently in some accident. And he's out pretty much for the rest of the season. And we just can't get a break. He's kind of one step forward, two back. But I I think, you know, now he he said himself he's got a full week to actually do training with the lads. Um, So you'd hope to see, you know, his influence. And I imagine he would have uh, wrapped a few cages after that game on Saturday as well. I don't think he'd just be sitting back and going, oh, never mind, lads. So I think, you know, he he deserves a chance to, over the next couple of weeks, of really kind of putting his mark on the team and hopefully getting Renamoto back in midfield. I think that was a big, big... Didn't really help
0: watch I watch I I we'll, the, the, the extended highlights you know luckily we get we get the EFL um, broadcast on a, on a Sunday mornings so I actually watched the extended highlights of that game and it just seems to me that there's a lack of spirit there's a lack of like you know that when they concede the first goal the body language you know if you're a, if, a, if you're opposing manager or opposing Player, you can check the body language, the body language of the team, if, if they're going to do well or they're not going to do well. You know, and, and I just thought, you know, once the first once they got the first goal, they should have took the game to Blackpool, but they didn't. They sat back. Then once they conceded the first goal, you know, it's just like it's like they'd given up already. You know, you, yeah. you disappointed thing, and I think, and 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 my chairman here. Mentioned it to the players yet? Um, because the results have not been, the performances have been good, but the results have not been going too good. But he said to the players, he said, "Look, at the end of the day, it's the coach who's going to get fired, not you. But at the end of the day, you, you've got, you've got, you're the ones that have got to produce the results, and you know. And on on Saturday, on Saturday, we got a one nil win. So sometimes oh, the chairman needs to come in and say a few words."
1: <laughs> you're Dylan. You're in a, a similar situation to Reading. You took over uh, Morocco Swallows in South Africa, bottom of the Premier Division out there. Within, I think, two games, you took them out of the relegation zone. So, you're in a quite a similar situation to Reading. But look, we, we've got a, a, a club legend standing by. Don't want to keep him waiting any any longer. Oh. Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic to to, to have, as well as you, Dylan. Obviously, <laughs> um, so fantastic to have you on as a as a guest, Trevor, um, and you had two spells with Reading, so you, you scored a load of goals. You went away, came back, scored a load more goals, 190 in total. And of course, you were part of that um, fantastic record-breaking Royals team. What are your favourite memories from from that season, from the the record-breaking start to that season, and and really, you know, favourite memories from your two spells with Reading?
2: Uh, well, to be honest, I've nine, out of the nine seasons I had there, many a happy spell and uh, a lot of good memories, and we, we broke a lot of records in that time. Um, so you put me on the spot, I was picking out a few. But uh, um, obviously, this that record-breaking run was was great. You know, Thirteen wins at the beginning of the season, eighty-five, eighty-six, and I always tell the story about the game at Plymouth where. Uh, I, th- I think it was 1-0 the actual score in the end but uh, uh, Plymouth got a penalty and um, Ian Branford was one that always liked to do his homework on the opposition and uh, he was shouting to Gary Westwood to dive to the right or the left whichever way it was and luckily um, Gary Westwood never heard him and dived dive the completely opposite way and saved the penalty you know, so uh, that that run might never have happened if he, if the manager had got his point across. But uh, I think that, as uh, Dylan was saying, like, about luck and that, you, you know, you, you do need a bit of luck. And, um, you know, that was a luck. I think it was about the eighth, seventh or eighth game in. And also, a Plymouth again, Plymouth, and I'm sure Kevin will talk about it next week. Um, that was probably one of the best games I played in. Uh, being three 0 down at home to Plymouth around Christmas time, and uh, you know we made one or two changes and pushed Max up front, uh, Kevin Bremler and uh, it was his game really. He just turned the game on his head, and uh, we ended up winning four three, and it was a that was a great game. But um, yeah, no, from a point of view from myself, obviously Rotherham away where I broke the record uh, with a headed goal up there that. That was something I'm really proud of, and uh, that was that was a, a good trip back.
1: And you played you played a course with uh, a young Michael Jilks when when he first broke into mm. the team at Elm Park. Uh, he, he's now assistant manager, part of the management team with the, the, the current side. But what was he like to play with? Because he was fantastic to watch. But uh, as a teammate, what was he like?
2: I've got nothing but admiration for Jilks. He's he's a top man, you know, I used to get <clears throat> at Elm Park, I used to change next to him every day to train. We had our own sort of spaces. <laughs> you could fit our changing room into the, probably the, the toilets at the new stadium, but it was such a small little room. So I got to know Gilgsy really well. And, um, you know, as a player, he, he was brilliant. He just, if I could get the ball up to my chest and then just hook it over my shoulder, I knew Gilgsy would catch it, you know, because he, he was so quick. And he, he made a lot of goals for myself and he scored some good goals as well. But uh, the thing I think about Julesy is that he came, I think it was from Leicester, he came as a young lad and he was, just, you know, I know money's not everything, but he was on, I think, £40 pounds a week and that he had to pay for his, his um, digs, just living and everything. And, he, and he, I think he spent £15 a week out of, out of that 40 on his dry cleaning bill because he always looked immaculate, you know, <laughs> a bit like myself, really. But <laughs> but uh, no, he was a great player and good player. And I think if you've got pace, you've got a hell of a chance. And yeah. and, and, I, and I'm really pleased that he's involved with the new regime. Trevor, you know, you, you were saying about that game at Plymouth. I mean, I scored my
0: first ever goal for Reading at Plymouth. So that was a nice little, okay. you know, my, my goal. Um, but, yeah. we, well, you know, Brandfoot telling the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper obviously didn't listen. Do you, you know, looking at when you played and when I played and, and and to the players now, do you think they've got the same characters, the same laughter, the same banter in these dressing rooms that we had back in, you know, back in the day? Because I, I can't, you know, I've not been in a dressing room for a long, long time in the UK. But, I don't don't see that in in players you know having
2: that same crack having that same laughter having that same you know I know exactly I know exactly what you're saying no I know exactly what you're saying and without speaking out of turn no I can't see that they they do it doesn't come across as that way and um, you know it was I don't know I don't don't, obviously don't watch some day to day training but you know going to some to work and training was was a, was a joy you know you made it almost made a, a long morning of it and uh, you know stay and have a chat afterwards or we go and have a game of snooker or probably not the right thing but we, it wasn't like a drinking culture or anything like that it was just camaraderie and it, it, we always had smiles on our faces you know and um, i i think the perhaps the difference is as well back in our day Um, the squads are a lot smaller, you know, and um, so you had to sort of look out, look after yourself, and you probably played, I know for a fact I did, and a lot of other players as well, played most of the time when they weren't 100% fit, you know, Mm. whereas nowadays with the squads of 40, 50, squad numbers of 69 and 70 or whatever it is, you know, they rotate the squads and, you know, you, you're not so i would i don't think it can be as close knit as a smaller squad oh, trevor I mean, would you have all been on the same same wage roughly
3: like as, a, as a, and dylan's time would you've all been roughly around the same pay
2: that, that's that's the sort of thing that you you've always told don't discuss your wages but uh, invariably forwards got a bit more than defenders i think but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but not i don't know for sure but I know, I know it won't be like it is now, um, yeah. you know. So no, we, we we never I never really knew what other players were on, yeah. and, and we didn't. It wasn't something it was discussed because if 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 you find out that someone's on, you know, fifty pounds more than you a week in those days that was a lot of money, and uh, you know, yeah. the only the only reason I know about jokes is because he, he's always moaning about it, and quite right he's <laughs> saying so. so that, <clears> throat> 40, throat> Don't, don't worry about then. He still owns now. He's still, he's, still, he's still
0: the last in the queue to go to the bar. You know?
1: <laughs> Trevor, I, yeah. Trevor, i got a question for you. You, you touched on uh, mentioned about forwards there. Um, we, mm. We've got a question for you uh, from Paul Tanner. He's from Tylerst. He's a mate of Dylan's, yeah. And Paul has been a Reading fan for 50 years. And actually, mm. I don't know if you know this, it was Paul's dad, Thomas Turner, better known as Bob, who came up with the Royals' nickname you oh, right. won, no, right. won a competition in the Reading Chronicle in the 70s. So oh, right. yes. uh, so his question, so um, Paul's question is, who was your favourite strike partner during your time at Reading?
2: Um, I, I was lucky to be amongst some good players. Um, but the one that really got me up and running and made a big difference to me was Dean Horrocks, I think. I'd have to say, Dean. Um, yeah, you know, I, I played with others like Kevin Brennan was a great, great strike partner. But we were, we were both quite selfish, and you know, we 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 wanted to both score. But we would make the, a few goals for each other. Craig Maskell was very much the same later, towards the end of my career. You know, he was a goal scorer, and, you know, but Dean Horrocks was so unselfish and such a good player, and uh, he, he used to, used to get the ball the way I see it, and. Can I set someone up, or no? Okay, then I'll have a shot myself. But I was the opposite way. Can I have a shot? And Kevin Bremmer was saying, Can I have a shot and score before I look to set people up? And uh, yeah, and he was—he was just such a sad. It was so sad to, to lose him so young. But uh, yeah, no, I would say Dean Horrocks.
1: And, and just Dylan touched on it earlier about the character of, of the players. And, and I, you know, I just remember that that record-breaking Royal season, obviously for for the results, a lot of, um, a lot of results were by one goal. And, and you you had you and, and and the type of player that you were then is quite, it, it is quite rare, you know, throughout football in general, but, uh, you know, especially now, where you, you just seem to be able to come up with a goal from anywhere. I saw one goal where you, I think you touched it in from about half a yard out or something, bundled it over the line. And then, you know, your 100th goal, I think, was from the from the edge of the box, I think Paul Paul Canneville crossed it. Was it? Can't remember. Oh yeah,
2: Bristol Bristol Rovers. Yeah, yeah.
1: Bristol Rovers or Blackburn? I can't can't remember. You, you...
2: Well, they say it was Blackburn, but it was Bristol Rovers. Yeah, I think
1: with <laughs> the, the clip I saw, it said it was Blackburn, but it did. It, it did, right. yeah. It was no, it's, it
2: was Bristol Rovers. Yeah.
1: Um, and then you got your your hundred and first, didn't you? But what mm. was it? Just your mentality? You're just gonna like every game. You, you just want to score at least one goal. Was that your mentality?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I just I always thought about goal goal scoring and getting in the book <clears throat> because that was my strength. I I, I can't explain how I did it, <clears throat> but I would gamble a lot, you know, on getting someone's going to miss it. I gamble on back passes, um, and looking for mistakes because invariably the the, the worst the pitches was were it suited me better because I knew there was going to be chances and. You know, you just got to take your take chance when they come along. It, it, if I was playing nowadays, <clears throat> I wouldn't get hardly any goals because it's a completely different game. The pitches are like uh, snooker tables and I wouldn't get the ball. I wouldn't get a touch of the ball. They'd keep it from me. But, uh, yeah, it was, just, it was just a knack of knowing where to be and gambling. And I got as much joy out of just tapping one in from a yard as I did, you know, heading one from the penalty spot. Um, yeah, you know, and people say, oh, "God, he's he's lucky. He's in the right place there." Just to have it, I don't care. You pick up the papers on a Sunday; it says my name. It doesn't tell you I was born yard out. <laughs>
1: have you got a, Have you got a favourite goal, or you know, a few few favourites in in the hundred and ninety?
2: Yeah, it wasn't a great goal, but one against Derby at home that really clinched that eighty five eighty six season because we had a bit of a wobble for a while. And that sort of really killed that season off and made us um, champions almost. Um, the other one, which was only in the, uh, I think it's called the Freight Rover Trophy, older shot at home. I just got played in down the left side and I hit it from about 35 yards and it just went top corner, which is that's the furthest I've ever scored out because most of my goals were inside the, inside the box or even closer, you know. So that sort of sticks in my mind because it was just one of those pretty goals from really. and how how much of the the record breaking royal season when you went on to to
1: win the title? How how much of that you know was uh, about Ian Branford? How much of it was about the the spirit and the character and the camaraderie of the team? Do you think?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. That um, I think Morris Evans also you know in the early days he he was he he put that spirit and brought Ian Branford in as a coach. Um, so he, he was good with a lot of the players that were already there, you know, and um, and with Ian Bramford, like I said, he was, he, he was, he was quite dour at times, but um, he was methodical and he, he did his homework, he trained us, he made sure that we are fit. You know, we used to do a lot of running, whereas I, I don't know whether they, they do a lot of running now, like now it's more with the ball, um, but everybody's got their own ways and the style of football wasn't everybody's cup of tea. It was quite direct. It suited me because we got the ball forward out to Jiltsey and the likes and Jerry Williams and the right crosses in the box, which suited me, you know. Um, but Ian was very much behind all that. And, um, you know, he, he did work as hard, you know, running over at Prospect Park, doing cross countries. I hated it, always at the back. But, um, you yeah, know, we had some fit players. Stuart Bevans, Martin Hicks was always at the front and and quite a few others you know sort of and we we were fitter than other size perhaps
1: and you used to do rather actually run through on the roads in Reading, didn't you as well you don't get that now do
2: you yeah no I, I, anything over sort of 30 yards is too far anyway for me but <laughs> uh you know I, I was never one for cod country i didn't have the stamina to to keep up with them and uh no, it was, um, I think I did my best time over Prospect Park when Steve Wood was actually running and encouraging me one day to run a bit faster. And I, I think I, I still came near the back, but he got me a good time that day by just but uh yeah that, that was, I do remember that because we used to do that most most weeks, you know. It was only about a 25 minute cross country, but it's up hills and the likes. And um yeah, we had a course set out and I hated it. And Trev you know when like you know you're going back like I said we don't want to talk
0: about you know back in the day but mm. you know do you do you think you, you respected and uh, appreciated and was scared of, of the manager and the coaches as a player because you know in nowadays in football like you said there's there's 30 40 50 60 squad members in your squad that mm. you no know, I don't feel that that same respect and that same um, being frightened of managers is, is, is the case these days, you know, because you knew that mm-hmm. if you didn't play, you were dropped and there was no yeah. come back. Yeah. Oh, well, or you, you you know, you, you couldn't go to an agent and say, my place, you know, is, is that something that, you know, was, was the same for you as it was for me when I was playing, you know, you
2: respected your manager
0: and you gave that your manager the option, whether you played or you didn't
2: play. Oh, 100%. <clears throat> yeah, um, and I'm sure... I can't think of anybody in our dressing room that didn't respect the manager or their teammates. You know, um, I was re- really lucky and all the time I was at Reading. I can't point my finger at anybody and say that uh, I didn't enjoy playing with them or, you know, I wouldn't want to play with them because it was... We were just close-knit and we all worked for the manager. and We didn't, you know... Um, yeah, if we got told we had to do something, we were always there, you know, yeah. and it was very much timekeeping. I don't know, it probably is still the same now, but I just think that it, they are so much better looked after than what we were. Um, you know, you've got, and it's, I suppose, a good side of it is that it's um, created a lot of jobs for other people connected with the club. But, you know, when you look at old clips of videos um, of when we played... You just got to look at the bench, and there's like the manager, the uh, the assistant, the physio, and one sub or two subs. I think the yeah, answer all, uh, sorry, go on. Yeah, but no, but, but don't you think you wanted to play though? You didn't want yeah. to be
0: in the bench. You yeah. weren't mm. happy just. You weren't happy just to be in the stand. You wanted to mm. play, and it and it pissed you off if you yeah. didn't play. Four years at Leeds United, mm. I couldn't, and I didn't like mm. sitting in the stand. Been on the bench. I didn't like traveling to away games, but now mm. you, you, you've got that many people in, in football now in the in the team in the in the game. You have got uh, agents bringing in foreigners, and you know some are good, some mm. are, are random, but they seem to mm. you know just be happy to sit in mm. the stand watching the game without having that hunger and
2: that you know hatred mm-hmm. of not not being in the team. Mm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um... And you didn't want to miss training i didn't want to miss training because i didn't want to miss if there was a bit of banter i missed out on it and all the lads came back um you know it came back and and i'd missed that and plus the fact the physio glenn hunter in particular um or john hazardin in a later date if you were injured you worked harder than when you were training so you didn't want to get injured so going back to what i said earlier i probably trained and played more often when I was not 100% and I did when I was actually 100% fit because you didn't want to, didn't want to be going back in the afternoon doing extra sessions with the physio and, um, you, know, and you didn't want to miss out anything on the training field uh, with phantom or anything because I look a miserable so-and-so but I've got a really good sense of humour and I just love the crack and, and all my stories have stuck with me because most of them were good laugh.
1: Trevor, Paul- I just want to... Sorry, Dylan. I just want to ask you, Trevor. Obviously, after you left, um, you know, it was the Sir John Modaisky era, moved to the new stadium, uh, you know, up into mm. the Premier League, three seasons in the Premier Premier League and then obviously, str- you know, struggling since then. What, what have you made of everything that's happened at Reading since, since you left the club?
2: <clears throat> obviously... Um- John Wodejski came in. He was um, towards the end of my career at um, at Elm Park. And, um, yeah, it's it's, it's all changed. I I think it had to change, probably, you know, um, to keep up with everybody else. And obviously with the Hillsborough disaster at the time, you know, it it made a lot of clubs get better stadium, stadia. Um, And, you know, I... I haven't actually played... I didn't actually play a league game there, obviously, at, at the new stadium. But uh, I've played a couple of charity games there or testimonials. But for me, I enjoyed Elm Park, you know, because you're, you're in touch with the fans, you know. You walked out of the dressing room at, um, at Elm Park and 10 steps, you're on the streets walk, walking home with the, with the fans or, you know, it was that close. I think it's all different now, you know, you don't get, I may be wrong, but you don't seem to get such a close contact with the with the fans, um, so it's a regret that I didn't have a, a season playing at that new stadium, because I I can only judge from afar, really, um, I didn't play there, and my only other regret about my Reading career is that I was actually, I moved to Watford and then on to Middlesbrough, although Middlesbrough was great, but I didn't actually play in that Simon Cup final. I was there watching, but that was a great day that I
1: missed. Uh, just a, a quick word on, on Roger Smee, the, the, the chairman at Elm Park. How did you get on with him? Because that's something that's different now. You you know, you wouldn't have the, the players, don't really have a lot to do with the, the owners now. But Roger Smee was very closely in, involved with, with the club and the team. You know, how, how did you and the other players get on with him?
2: Yeah, I, I think most, well, nearly everybody got on OK with him, you know. He, he had his way, how he he ran things. And it goes back to what Dylan was saying earlier, it's respect. At the end of the day, he's your, he's your boss, he's your chairman. And, um, yeah, some of the things, if you didn't agree with it, you know, you you had to, you go along with it because, you know, with the Oxford takeover, et cetera, and all that, it was, you know, the merger of talk about you know, he 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 was at Reddin at the time, and um, yeah, I, I'm waffling, but yes, I I had respect, definitely had respect for him.
1: And do you, just out of interest, Trevor, do you remember who the DJ was at the end of season parties at his uh, at his house?
2: Uh, no, is it you? Was that? yeah, <laughs> Uh goodness. Long. Yeah, but I, um, I, can't,
1: I can't say anything about your dancing. I don't remember.
2: Oh no, that, that, that's, that hasn't changed. i still bad. <laughs> I still get sick for that. <laughs> uh, so this, yeah. My last question,
0: yeah. Matt, because uh, it's, it's important that you know, because it's 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 for me as a as a former player, but me as a coach. How important was it to have the right people around you on the football field that made you successful at scoring goals?
2: Oh, really important, you know, because um, I needed people to make me look good. You know, I needed crosses coming into the box. I needed people to have their tricks in and around the box. The, the Dean Horrocks is those type of players. Um, that could, and Stuart Bevins, it could put a ball on, on your head uh, from a, a, a different angle. Um and also, you needed those people at the back, the Hicksies and Steve Woods that were reliable, Steve Richardson, Jerry Williams. I could go on. Um, but from my point of view, yes, in the final third, I needed people around me. Then the Kevin Bremers, it would bash people about and run all day, you know, um, and I'll pick up bits. You, I, I needed those people. And uh, that all... That, it's the old saying, the team, isn't it? It's a team. And, you know, and probably... I don't know I'm guessing but I would imagine that some of the players at times because if I scored the goals to get us a win I could have a bad game and get that I get the headlines because I scored the goal and all that and they probably think oh god all you did was stick the ball in the net but that's, if what, it you're helps, paid to do? that's what I was paid to do and it helps them and, and I hope they I'd like to think they appreciated what I did and I because I always appreciate what other players did you know and uh, you, have, uh, that's, you
1: have any re- Trevor, do you have any recollection rec- about the, the songs that, that the fans sang about you? Yeah, I can remember a couple at least.
2: Uh, uh yeah, and you just the oh Trevor Trevor ones. But uh no, I, I used to listen to the away ones a lot because they were quite funny. Because they used to give me a lot of stick, but um no, it's a long time ago now. <laughs> I can I can I can remember. I'm not gonna sing
1: it, but the uh no. a bit of punt to Trevor up front was Scoring in a Winter Wonderland was one of them, but I'm not. Oh right, yeah, 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 it. yeah. But,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, got, do, you, do you want to? Um, we we got a little bit of time left. Have you got a? You know, as a as a Reading fan for the last 40 years, obviously, uh, same as me, Trevor Senior, Reading hero of ours. You know, fantastic to be able to speak to him like this all these years later. Have you got a, a question for him as a as a fan from going back to that time? Yeah, yeah well, I was just saying. As a as a player, Trevor, was it? Did you have to work at your game? As
3: a as a like you know, some people just you know it's natural finishing. They'll kill. I'm I'm not a good player, but you know for yourself, were you you had to keep improving, improving your game? Were you just did what you did, like you said, about thinking?
2: Yeah, no, I I had to I had to work at my game. Like volume was quite a strength of mine. And I remember going back to Ian Branford, he used to. do little sessions at the end of training, just getting people to throw balls at me so that I could volley just into a net from a yard, you know, just to get the technique. Um, because, and and my volley improved, you know, and uh, yeah. heading, etc. Yeah, I had to work at it. I just, I just had that, and I can't explain it, I said earlier, I had that knack of knowing where to be. Whereas yeah. you get coached, like if for a set play, for example, like a corner or free kick, mainly corners, you make one run. Well, I, I wouldn't do that. If I started a run, and, and I think Brian, Ian Brantford used to get frustrated with me because I was meant to do a certain run, and I would, if I realised what well, I wasn't going to get on the end of the ball then, I would adjustment run and make a, a different run as well, you know, to give myself two chances of scoring, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, totally. you know, Whereas I was meant to just make one run and leave it for Laurie Sanchez, Martin Hicks to come and do the next bit, but I didn't want to. You know, if I didn't want to miss out on getting on the end of uh, of the cross, you know, so yeah, I I had to work. I had to work at my game definitely. Who is, this is I've I t- my touch in, in particular, um, you know, because. The higher you go up, I, I find, I don't know if Dylan found the same, but I think I put it down to touch. If your first touch is good, you've got a chance. Um, and then when I did go and play in the uh, first division with Watford and Middlesbrough, which was like the old well, Premier nowadays, if your touch was just a little bit off and it bounced off of you too far, they took it away from you. Because yeah. you know, you're playing against quality players all the time. And um, I, you had to improve that. And, and I, if I'm honest, I wasn't quite good enough for that level. And I can see why. So when you, you watch the Premier now, you see that their touch is so good. Yeah. And I think it, it's got to be. But
1: don't do you think a for way? a striker... Oh, go on, Dylan, one, in one, in one quick
2: way. question. Go on. Do you, not, do you not think for a
0: striker it's more instinct? You know, you've got that first touch because you're a big lad. You know, that, you know... Mm. <laughs> You look at the big play strikers; they're not renowned for having the 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 smartest of touches. But in the box, in the penalty area, like you said, your instinct told you that you weren't going to do the run that they want you to do. You wanted to go and score, mm. and you would. You, your instinct told you you had to be in such a position. Is that not mm. the most important thing from a striker?
2: Yeah, it is on the end of scoring goals. When I said about the touch, I meant more like the build-up play, really. But yeah. Um, I, I didn't take many touches in the box. It was mo- most of my finishes were one or two touches at, at the at the most. You know, but um, like the build-up play, where you're knocking the ball into the centre forward, your touch has got to be that much better. Yeah. Um. Always the story I always tell is um, when Terry Hurlock came to join Reading, we, we used to do shadow play over and over again on the training pitch, and uh, Ian Bramford, um so he asked. He asked the players, "Right, like, if we knock the ball up to Trevor, what what do we do?" And before anybody said anything, I went, "Win it. Try and win it back," <laughs> because <laughs> and and Ian Bradford just literally rolled over on the floor, like, because my touch fit in the earlier days wasn't the best, you know, and I like taking the mick out of myself anyway. So I said, "Yeah, try and win it back," <laughs> and because at times it was a bit like that, you know. But
1: well, uh... Trevor. um been fantastic to have you on a real a real privilege and, and a great pleasure mm-hmm. and, you know I know John is the same we've been watching watching Reading for about the same length of time and mm. you, know, you you were you were in my 11 all time uh, Reading 11 with Gilksy. Um so <coughs> and, <coughs> and, and, and another one on on this call as well Dylan you're, you're in you're in at left back <laughs> don't worry about that but Trevor look so, uh, yeah, you. you know, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. And uh, it's been a pleasure. And, uh, really yeah, to you.
2: Yeah, and good luck dealing with your rest of your season. But
0: Trevor, and listen, the, there's thousands of Reading fans that tweeted me, Facebook messaging me. They couldn't wait for this to happen. You know, that you you're, you're on this podcast. So, yeah. you know, thank you on behalf of of, of of all of us for 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 agreeing to do this, and hopefully and we can do it again. Yeah.
2: Definitely. yeah. Appreciate,
1: appreciate those tweets, and uh, thank you very much. And I hope I haven't let myself down on it. No, <laughs> no that's brilliant, Trevor. And, and
2: for the, okay. the listeners,
1: um, we've got Adam LaFondra on our first Friday episode. That's available from 6.30 on Friday. Uh, and then Kevin Bremner on, on Tuesday evening. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 1871 podcast. So, as I always finish off with, thank you, take care, and good night. And come on, you are. And thank you very much, Trevor.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.